This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, Future of Everything listeners. A quick note before we get into today's episode. We've made a change. We're bringing you even more of the original reporting and interviews you've come to expect. Check us out weekly on Fridays and let us know what you think. Drop a line to foepodcast at wsj.com. For at least as long as we've had science fiction stories, people have dreamed of a day when artificial intelligences work alongside humans to make life better. Just think about HAL 9000, the starship operating AI from Stanley Kubrick's classic film 2001 A Space Odyssey. The 9000 series is the most reliable computer ever made. No 9000 computer has ever made a mistake or distorted information. We are all, by any practical definition of the words, foolproof and incapable of error. Of course, that's not exactly true. Spoiler alert, HAL 9000 turns on his crew and ends up being deactivated. Luckily, the real-life AI we have now are nowhere near as powerful. But that hasn't stopped users, or the tech companies developing them, from talking about these programs as if they are intelligent. According to OpenAI, its ChatGPT program can already, quote, see, hear, and speak. And soon enough, it'll be able to do much more. Because we believe that AI is going to be a technological and societal revolution. That's OpenAI co-founder and CEO Sam Altman speaking at the company's developers conference in November. We'll be able to do more, to create more, and to have more. As intelligence gets integrated everywhere, we will all have superpowers on demand. But some AI researchers say that's way beyond what these programs are capable of. As you use this chatbot, its answers are typically eloquent and it seems to have facility on a topic. So we are easily fooled into thinking that to be intelligence. It's not. Usama Fayyad is the executive director of Northeastern University's Institute for Experiential Artificial Intelligence. He spent more than 30 years studying data and AI at companies like Microsoft and Yahoo, and founded the Machine Learning Systems Group at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. And Fayyad says one way that AI can actually become better is if people stop projecting ideas of intelligence and personhood onto these computer programs. You have to be continuously vigilant, saying, okay, this thing is trying to help me come up with the best autocomplete, but it is my responsibility to read through it very carefully and check it. From The Wall Street Journal, this is the future of everything. I'm Danny Lewis. I spoke with Usama Fayyad about how small things, like calling AI errors hallucinations, can mislead people into thinking these programs are more powerful than they are. But he also says that recognizing those limitations can make AI better. We'll find out how after the break. Stay with us. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. 
Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Usama, we hear a lot about artificial intelligence being trained using large language models. That's like the GPT and ChatGPT. How does this training work, and what does the AI do with it? Well, you basically feed it documents, and you say, learn some patterns, and it looks at each sentence that's in your collection. And it says, okay, if I see the first part of this sentence, I'm guessing that the next word is whatever comes next in that sentence, right? And it's doing this over millions or billions of such sentences. So you're coming up with a way to kind of echo back everything you saw in a form of very flexible, very sophisticated autocomplete. Now, important to mention, this autocomplete has no understanding of what's in the documents. It's doing it without any understanding of what it's completing. The the, the technical term we use is stochastic parrots. So they are parrots because they don't understand what they say, and they are stochastic in that they have some degree of randomness, because sometimes it'll guess the right word, sometimes it will guess completely the wrong word, And then the way generative AI works is whatever it guesses, it assumes is the truth. It uses it as a part of the input now, and it builds on top of it. So this is how these large language models get errors. So a lot of people talk about how training data is a lot of the big issue because if there's mistakes or, you know, biases and balances, very different depending on who you're talking to. Uh, But is that really the biggest issue with AI right now? It's an important question. One of the big issues here is, is your data balanced? Is it complete enough? Does it represent reality? Did you train the model enough on it so that it can reflect it accurately? The cost of curation of the data and balancing the data uh, is super important. And if you actually include the wrong data in there, if you include two documents that are look similar but reach contradictory conclusions, well, ChatGPT is not going to know which one to pick. Its judgment typically is whatever is more frequent must be the truth. So you can easily fool it into believing stuff by just putting out a lot of stuff that it can process that repeats an untruth. And then suddenly that untruth becomes the truth. And is that what people are are referring to when when they talk about AI hallucinating, quote unquote? That and what I just mentioned, which is the way it works fundamentally, this autocomplete, as it starts building out its answer one word at a time, Once it guesses the wrong word, it's off on the wrong tangent. So the computer is basically being the most annoying guy in your seminar who's just shooting off from the mouth before he's actually thinking of anything? What you said, what you said is correct. It it doesn't think about what it's saying. It doesn't even understand what it's saying. It's just basically saying, whenever I see this word, this is the likely next word, and this is the likely next word. And by the way, I'm going to believe myself as I see those words, and I'll build on top of them. And that's how generative AI works. What do you think about the fact that, you know, people refer to this whole process as hallucination now? When you say hallucination, you're attributing too much to the model. You're basically saying it's intelligent, but every once in a while it hallucinates. This thing is not intelligent. It has no understanding of what it's saying. So it makes errors. And and that's the term I like to use. I prefer the fact that we say, look, 
it makes errors. And part of its function is to make errors because it's guessing all the time. And sometimes the guesses are wrong. And when that guess is wrong, it will build the wrong thing. Now, the one thing to remember is these models don't have intentions. So it doesn't intend to trick you. It's doing its best to autocomplete on a prompt you gave it, which is why the failures become spectacular when you require part of your answer to be very precise. Like, give me a reference, right, to this. Now, if you're trying to reconstruct a reference based on autocomplete from your memory, and it's all approximate, you're not going to give a great answer. So what are the consequences if we don't address uh, these hallucinations slash errors? To draw an analogy from autonomous driving is we're lulled into a sense of security and we sleep at the wheel. So as you use this chatbot, its answers are typically eloquent and it seems to have facility on a topic. So we are easily fooled into thinking that to be intelligence. It's not. You have to be continuously vigilant saying, okay, this thing is trying to help me come up with the best autocomplete, but it is my responsibility to read through it very carefully and check it. And then when it cites something or I need a citation, I go do the research, pick up that and add it there. Now, autocomplete is useful. It doesn't solve the world's problems, but it's very useful. It can speed you up. And speed ups in the knowledge economy are economically very important. According to the UN, in, in, in richer countries, the knowledge economy is about half the economy, up to 55%, depending on the estimates. Now, if you have something that affects half the economy, potentially, but even if it gave you a speed up of only 1% or 5%, you can't ignore it. It's economically significant. It's half the economy. And 1% of half the economy is huge, right? So we came up with a technology which is not immune to errors, does hallucinate according to Google and others, but despite that, it's actually helping accelerate many tasks that we invented for ourselves in the knowledge economy. Speeding up the task of a knowledge worker has huge economic consequences and cannot be ignored. Coming up, how could demystifying how AI works make it a more effective tool? Stick around. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. Usama, we still haven't addressed public perceptions of AI, because for a lot of people, it kind of seems like it works by magic. Any technology that works really, really well starts looking like magic. Uh, Google search, by the way, um, the engine, the core engine that decides which pages are most relevant to your 2.5 keyword query, right? How to rank them. Uh, in the background, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of human intervention. But because these companies don't talk about it, uh, you just think it's magic. By the way, ChatGPT, after you do all this training and you spend the millions of dollars on training it, you now have to have another cycle, which OpenAI doesn't talk about, of having humans, their own employees, contractors, challenge the model. This is called fine-tuning the learning session, which is very expensive, very human-intensive. 
how do you preserve what is really useful about these AI systems without having users do what I find myself doing a lot when I'm on the phone with my bank and I've got the automated AI system talking to me and I'm not getting the right answer and end up saying over and over again, talk to a person, talk to a person, talk to a person until I finally get to an operator? That's a great and central question. And in fact, in today's technology, there is no other way than to figure out when to introduce human intervention. When should a human take over? Uh, and what effectively prompting the system to say, turn off and give me a human being, right? Stop trying to help. We need to get smarter about picking up those hints much faster and doing the handoff much faster, precisely because once that AI or robotic system is stuck on a certain pattern, it's not going to understand. If you approach it with a case that it has never seen before, there is no way on earth it's going to even think of a novel solution. It cannot. It just cannot. Because all it can do is echo back what it saw in its training documents. And that's, by definition, stuff you saw before. Which brings us to uh, a lot of the issues we're facing with autonomous driving. The way we're trying to train vehicles today, it has to rely on having seen that situation before for it to know what the right action is. And the most dangerous part is when it hits a situation that it hasn't seen before, I wish it has enough to say, hey, I haven't seen it, stop. No, it actually gives you an output. And that output in that instance is completely unpredictable. It could be the right thing, like hit the brake, or it could be the wrong thing, like hit the gas or turn into this person or whatever. And that is where the danger comes in, is because it's not thinking. Uh, it can't compete with a training session to a human teenager that might last 50 hours. And this human is now qualified to drive a car and will react against situations they've never seen before reasonably well. The problem with these algorithms is once they enter a space they haven't seen before, the output is completely unpredictable. But you could say the same thing about people. You know, you could say the same thing about a, a driver. Yeah, a deer comes running out of the woods or something while you're on the highway. And it's just like, what do you do in that situation? You can panic. But remember, somehow humans seem to leverage their other experiences to help make decisions and help learn tasks. We somehow managed to generalize, come up with analogies, do what's called transfer learning. So I learned a move in chess. Hey, I can conceptualize the same thing applying to checkers. So can you imagine any future world where AI is able to function without humans checking their work all the time? And what's it going to take for us to get there? I think as we factor our work uh, and our tasks into things that are highly robotic, highly predictable, uh, unlikely to go through a change. Yes, I can envision automation. And in fact, it happens a lot of the time. Um, I can also envision a world where we imbue the AI with the ability to say, wait, I haven't seen this before. Stop. This is why I'm very, very bullish on autonomous navigation for slow moving vehicles. If you have a garbage truck that's moving slowly, that whenever it faces a new situation, it can afford to stop and call for help, right? That is very doable. If you're moving at high speed where you, you can't have the luxury of stopping and waiting for help, then you have to make autonomous decisions. And when you make those autonomous decisions, they may have catastrophic outputs. So uh, that's the difference is as we factor our tasks, I think a lot of things will get done by machines. We will figure out many tasks, especially in the knowledge economy, where it's safe 
to deploy these things. And we have guardrails and alarms that say, hey, I got to stop. I haven't seen this before. Usama Fayyad is the executive director of the Institute for Experiential Artificial Intelligence at Northeastern University. The Future of Everything is a production of The Wall Street Journal. This episode was produced by me, Danny Lewis, and Charlotte Gartenberg. Like the show? Tell your friends. And leave us a five-star review on your favorite platform. Thanks for listening. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. Coming soon from the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts.